Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Head cannon. Welcome head cannon. to head cannon. We've got a very special guest tonight. A good friend of ours, Adam Dix. We know you from from our time in in Bloomington, from yep. way way back high when. School? high school. Yeah. How how you doing today? Good. Just sweating, sweating out here in LA. Sweating. What's yeah. supposed to tap today? When you mentioned earlier, and I think I saw this on, on Facebook the other day, so you just bought a house, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we just uh, bought our first house, which is something no one expects to be able to do in L.A. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. Um, little out of town, but about 20 minutes from the beach, so we're not mad at that. Uh, about that 30 cartoon minutes money. To, yeah. <laughs> it makes it sound like there's more cartoon money, but meanwhile, I'm doing one job and freelancing and teaching so <laughs> that and my partner's also working full-time so we're, we're staying very busy yeah, yeah. well and, and for people who don't know will you will you tell a little bit about uh who you are and what you do maybe some things you've worked on in the past that they might recognize and and what you're working on right now sure. yeah uh so i uh i work in animation in the animation industry so i've worked on uh, predominantly tv shows uh from Disney to Nickelodeon to Cartoon Network to Apple TV and uh, Netflix currently. Um, so I've been, oof, most of the shows most of your kids will probably know, <laughs> but uh, like Sophia the First, The Rise of the Teenage Ninja Turtles, the DC Superhero Girls, Victor and Valentino, uh, Boss Baby, uh, Back in Business, um, Central Park, and now currently I'm on the Cuphead show. Whoa! Right, that's a it's a hell of a awesome. list, man. That's awesome. DC superhero <laughs> girls. That place yeah, awesome. yeah, that one's uh, yeah, that was a fun one. I was only on it for a brief moment, but uh, the showrunner <laughs> uh, who sort of revamped it, Lauren Faust, is a powerhouse. I've never seen drawings in now, terms of yeah. She's, she's great. <laughs> uh, like friends of mine on social media, a lot of them I've never met their kids. But like I've, as I'm scrolling past, like I reckon I'm like, okay, that's that's Amber's kid. Okay, what? Just from like years of this, but it's been years that I've been. Uh, we might be both Facebook and Instagram friends. I can't remember. But as I'm scrolling through, if I see a like a little cartoon thing that that someone has like, uh, you know, sketched like real real quick, I know it's yours. Like I know like. Like, it's like your kids, you know, it's like, I recognize, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to look at the name of who posted it. it, it it's normally like really cool and curvy, uh -huh. it's got a cool butt, yeah, like, usually. what? <laughs> I, 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 I love, it's awesome. yeah, I love, I love some gestures and I love some booties, <laughs> they're funny, I feel like we saw the first jokes out of them, so, right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and while we're talking about it, do you want to plug, let people know uh, where they can find you and follow you? Because you've got, is it Instagram is the main place? Because you've, you've got quite a few followers, right? Yeah, yeah, 
I mean, not that it really does anything for me. Right. <laughs> it's but, mostly just people like that I post drawings. Uh, yeah. I'm just at Adam Dix, which is uh, A-D-A-M-D-I-X at uh, Instagram, um, on Instagram. So uh, if you want to look at silly doodles, I, do, I did a whole series of ugly mermaids the other day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and it's... And it's yeah may, maybe yeah doesn't do you know doesn't doesn't contribute a whole lot to you but it it'll enhance the lives of anyone who chooses to to follow you so yeah yeah it's mostly me just having fun and posting like things that make me laugh that are being drawn and doodled and I don't know I entertain myself well and I figured if it entertains me it might entertain others <laughs> yeah. that's always a good first goal I I find yeah if you're if you're entertaining yourself that's the first the first thing you've got to take care of so yeah <laughs> but well, all right well let's let's jump into this movie adam what what movie did you did you bring us this week um i brought hereditary a very scary movie by the same director as midsummer i think it's really well made i think it's properly scary i think it's one of like it's so rare to find a horror movie nowadays that does something so well and so freshly well but also, un, like, it's not gimmicky in any way, so I just thought it would be a fun one to talk about because it's so well executed and properly, like, chilling. It is yeah. so. It was so scary. Like, I was using, because we, for those that listen to this show, normally we'll have, like, a Facebook group chat with, like, whoever is the guest that week or whatever, and I was using that group chat last night as I was watching this movie just to not see the screen. <laughs> and just because like it was like so like it was just so terrifying but it was so good i was so happy to, to finish it, it like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think of, of all the the movies we've covered on the show so far this probably has some of the most intense imagery uh and yeah so, so and and i watched um because there was a period of time right before we started doing this podcast every week i was like just I, I was live tweeting a movie like every week I would sit down and watch a movie and just live tweet it. And I don't think nobody read it or like followed along at all, but it was just, and, and that was kind of like where the idea for this podcast came from because I enjoyed watching movies in like kind of an analytical conscious way where I wasn't only ingesting it, but I was also like turning it into something else and, and like putting my thoughts down somewhere. You know, I don't know. It's just like you watch it. I, I would, I watched the movies differently when I was doing that. You know what I mean? It's like it's like homework that you want to do. Like you like, it's like a fun homework assignment. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. And I and I watched so about a year ago or so I watched Midsummer, and then immediately and then I I, lo- I really liked that movie. So then after that I watched Hereditary for the first time about it was about a year ago, a little little less than that maybe. And there, then, there's a movie I read about online. I think it's called The Witch, which people were saying, or it was it similar themes to this one. Which I'm gonna check out soon. Yeah, that one's good. That was real good. Is it? I haven't seen it. I think I think Brent, I've got that on our list. We also have like a, an evolving list of like 350 movies we want to get to eventually, and uh, and I think that one's on there. So um, that one's worth the watch. Um, that one has uh, oh shoot, what's her name from uh, Queen's Gambit? I think it was one of her like oh, early, early Anya ones. Anya Taylor. Anya Taylor Joy. Joy. That, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She's she's great in it. It's that one specifically is more of like if you took like a period piece about it's almost it's almost like a documentary of what it was like to be like a like a pilgrim in early like east or northeast sort of setting and like just experience what it's like to have the terror of like feeling like there's a witch that lives in the woods nearby and like how it affects it. Like it's, it's almost documentary in how it feels, but it's properly scary because it's not documentary. Like in the way that Blair witch is in right. that, like, it's a bunch of kids with a camera, like running around. It just feels like you're existing <laughs> in a space. Of, like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where it's going to come from. You don't even know if there's really a story. It's just a matter of living in the space and the terror of cool. the unknown. Yeah. yeah. Which that sounds awesome. But although you, you gave me an idea for something I don't feel has really been done in the genre, which is a period found footage piece like somehow a bunch of pilgrims get a hold of video cameras <laughs> and archaeologists unearth them like you know hundreds of years later <laughs> sounds like a Rick and Morty episode <laughs> right all right so 
So just kind of, I'm, I'm just looking at my notes here. Yeah, so we so we jump into yeah. this movie. I like the the very first scene how it kind of shows the miniature because the mom Annie. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to think of like how to even to give a brief overview of this movie for someone who hasn't seen it. Also, like, do we do we spoil things? Spo- yeah, yes. spoilers. Spoilers are fine. fine. Yeah. Okay. So like, can I try? Uh, yeah. So, so by all it's means. about this. It begins being a, at the beginning. It's about a family, right? They're kind of like they're kind of a little kooky. They're a little weird, but they live like the middle of the, they live in the middle of nowhere. Really, the movie is shot interestingly. I know I don't know if you guys noticed this, but anytime there was like an interior shot, it looked like like it was very dreamy in that. I couldn't tell what time of day it was because of the light that was coming through the windows. Does it, did anyone else notice that a little bit? Yeah, actually, like the the like penultimate scene where the kid sort of jumps through the window. I remember thinking, I have like the light from outside is so much brighter, but like it still feels like night. But like, when is this? Right. So I actually in in my new my recent watch, I had the same thought. Huh. Okay, cool. Well, it kind of reminds me of, we, we kind of brought up the same thing when we watched It Follows recently. Yes, kind of and that. that's the thing. Watching these movies makes me start looking for that shit. Yeah. Just like, yeah, just kind of like disconcerting stuff in the background that you maybe don't consciously, even consciously pick up on. But So, can I mention that? <laughs> and this movie does that so well. Yeah. Did you guys notice, when she goes to her therapy sessions, she walks across the street, and there's like five white cars, like, perfectly in a row. And she's dressed all in white as well. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it's just like a weird thing that I noticed. Right. It's got to be intentional. I think there's an, well, I think there's an element through this where she is constantly being followed Annie. by the cult. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that's probably a touch to that. Because even then, there's there's a guy who's at the funeral who's looking at Charlie that like shows up at the, like at the very end, who's part of the cult. So you start to recognize that all of these background characters are there from the beginning that end up being at the very, very end sort of climax of the film. Yeah. Um, so I have a feeling that that the white car thing, you're that probably spot on about that. Well, and, and, and yeah, I think, and that kind of gives me an idea of how to frame this movie. Yeah. So we're, and again, spoilers are fine. We're assuming pi- people have either seen this movie or they're fine getting spoilers before before they watch the movie maybe, maybe it's yeah. too scary for them they just want to hear about the movie i don't know but right. um, or just put this on pause and go watch the fuck go go yeah pause it go watch the movie and come back i don't know i don't know why people would listen to our podcast but hopefully somebody does I don't know. uh <laughs> but yeah i do like and i think i even read the director said this at one point but there's certain things about this movie where he just does it it almost subverts common tropes or what you would what you would expect in not just a horror movie but but any movie and i i think that the fact that we're looking at the inside of a conspiracy like we're watching people who are the subject of a vast conspiracy but we never ever go to the viewpoint of the conspirators like we'll see them in the background we get to know what's that one character the the one who in doc joan 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 but we only ever Joni. get jo- it's like an IE or something like that. Oh, Joni, yeah. Joni, yeah. That's what. I'm oh, that's what... The, the, the the doormat. The doormat, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so but I like that. Yeah, it's it's inside of a conspiracy, but you never ever see the outside of it. You're just on the confused inside of it the whole movie. Yeah. You know. So they seem just like a normal kind of family. They they're they're, they're a little artsy, like Tony Collette's character. She creates miniature models of of like homes or anything that really you could think of miniature models. Um, their daughter is a little, a little of an odd duck, right? She like makes little, little things, little toys or whatever. She's even like caught in class, you know, making little things. Uh, she has a, a terrible allergy, which comes into play. Yeah. A nut allergy. Yeah. 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 And I think that there's an, an obsessive compulsive element to her as well. Yeah, yeah, but but there's but then there's also the fact that you know she's been so she's been selected by her grandmother. So so I guess the story is there's so much to this story. But so the the grandmother has the mom's mom. The movie kind of opens up with she's died, and we're going to her funeral. And her grandma was part of this cult. She was actually I think the head of the cult. She was the queen, right? And so their goal is to resurrect you find out at the end of the movie 
one of the eight kings of hell payment, right? <laughs> I laughed so hard when that, when that was revealed. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, which is a real thing. Payment is a real thing. It's like a real... Uh, I mean, well, okay. It, I, I don't think king payment is actually a real thing, but it is a real piece of, like, folklore, right? Yeah. Um, so her grandma and her cult her satanic cult friends have this plan, but you don't know this. You don't know this at all through the movie. You're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, but her, right. her cultist friends want to resurrect King Payman and reap the rewards. Cause as you can imagine, if you're able to bring to life and resurrect one of the eight Kings of hell, you know, he, pro- he owes you a little bit, right? <laughs> so, right. so they can't, they can't put him. He prefers a male body. It says, but since they can't put him in a male body, for the time being, they put him into Charlie, who's this young girl. What is she, maybe supposed to be 10 in this movie? Or 12? What are they saying? Uh, no, I think she's maybe 14. 14? She's in high school. Okay, okay, right. Um, oh, okay, That's, that makes me feel a little better about like why he would take her to the party. Yeah. So Lord pa- King Payman is inside this girl... Until the cult concocts a plan to get Lord Payman, King Payman, out of this girl and into her older brother, uh, what's his name? Pete, Peter, right? Peter, yeah. And so that's really what the movie is. I mean, the, the movie is the plan. You're watching a perfectly crafted plan of this satanic yeah. cult to get to to bring back King Payman in the body of it's this. It's like based on like very specific things happening. Right. Like, you know, like people getting beheaded right. in a certain way. Right. I mean, yeah, that that's a wild concept too cuz like in my second time watching it just now there's a whole bunch of like symbolism through the film that's really strong and really kind of subtly placed until you are made aware of it towards the end. But watching it the second time, I didn't realize that on the actual light post that she's beheaded on is carved the, like the, the symbol King, of the cult. King payment symbol. I had that exact yeah. same experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, and you start thinking back, like, well, what did I miss? I know I missed some stuff. Yeah. But I yeah. can't wait to watch it again. With the with, through the eyes of this family's getting set up by a cult, like, right. it's, yeah, it's so crazy. Well, well, and what what like just a fascinating method of telling this story rather than going through like there's this great conspiracy and sort of following the conspirators is like let's follow the victims yeah. and really not let you know about anything without like context of what the characters will actually know. It's it's a wonderful like methodology of the storytelling that actually makes it scarier because you're. Your learning is about as much as they are. So you're kind of feeling victimized through the process too. Yo, yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> well, and, and I had that same experience, Adam, because the first time I watched it, up until now, I had I was operating under the assumption that, that, that Charlie being beheaded was truly an accident. And then they were like almost trying right. to scramble to, okay, what do we do now? We can put it in the void. But rewatching it the second time just last week, yeah, I noticed that symbol on the pole, and I was like, oh, wait, this whole fucking movie is, like, the whole thing is one plan, is one conspiracy, every single thing that happens, you know? Yeah. And you don't even really get to see the the, the, the cult members, like, enjoying, like, what they've done, or, it's really strange, like, it, that payoff isn't there. I mean, I know that's not the payoff of the movie, that's not <laughs> the point. But our our it, protagonist, kind of... the naked cultist, yes. Right, you just want to see, like, what's her name, jo- Joni? Joni. Uh-huh. You want to see Joni, like, the next day, like, back at her apartment sipping tea, like, we did such a good job, guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I hope that money comes in that, that payment promised us. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you, you, I mean, since they succeeded and they did this terrible, terrible thing, it's almost like, well, okay, hopefully they at least get their rewards for it. But I got to think. One of the eight kings of hell can't be like inherently there. You can't trust them to fulfill their end of the bargain, right? I would think. I mean, I mean, but we're talking about covens, right? Like these are these women are witches, right? Like that's the hereditary element here of like the family is that they're calling payments so that like 
yeah, they've already made the deal. They've got nothing to lose but just to seek their mortal like gain right. through this. So it's not like they're playing on different teams. He's already got their souls. Right. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, so like you... the way the way the sister dies is she they set it up. It's like total foreshadowing, right? Like she has a peanut allergy. They're like, Do you, you have the EpiPen? And well, she even cuts the bird's head off. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. She's cut a bird's head off to use to like make a toy or something. Yeah. And and then her brother, her brother's like, "Hey, mom." And he, who, the family seems very level-headed. I mean, like the eulogy was kind of weird when Colette was telling talking about her recluse mom. Yeah. But other than that, like at that point, I'm still like, okay, these people are pretty normal. The son well, comes in and asks to go to a party. Yeah. Although in in that scene, I did notice, and I think that's part of like the eulogy. Well, not no, the scene with the son, because I think it's okay. like not only is like the curse and this witchcraft and all of this is, is is inherited, but I also think it's things like mental illness and and trauma. And because like they are kind of functioning and they are functioning like a normal real family you would see in day to day life. But even before anything goes down or they know anything's going down in that interaction, he's trying to to get permission to go out to this party and drink and do whatever. And obviously he can't come out and say that. So he's like trying to manipulate her and like get to go as you do when you're that age. But she is also like, I I can see like, uh, you know, something she could probably improve as a parent at that point is she's being very manipulative and passive aggressive and anything he says, she's like, you know, he's like, Hey, can I do this? And she's like, well, I don't know. Can you? Well, can you take your sister? Are you going to be drinking? And he's like, uh, I don't know. So even that interaction, there's already some like unhealthy kind of manipulative, yeah. like passive aggressive dynamic. You know what I mean? Well, they both, like, that's like my parents and I talk to each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, drink, so I, well, I, think, I think there's two things there, though, that like that certainly brings a level of like empathy as the audience to be like, oh, God, like this family struggles just the same as the rest of us. Right. And, it, and I think in terms of like the, even the name of the film and sort of seeing the sort of the sins of the father, or I guess sins of the mother passed to the, the daughter and so on and so forth, sort of that generational curse sort of ideology, it, it sort of develops into this like, well, the mother had a bad relationship with, with her daughter, with the, with the real mom. I guess the grandmother had a bad relationship with the mother the mother has a bad relationship with the son and there's this like contention there where I think that's where the eulogy is important though, is that everything that she is saying about her mother, the grandmother is pretty much what the son is thinking about his mom. Yeah. Right. Like this, this sort of repetition generationally. And it's like, Oh, this curse that the family is under is actually intentional for this greater purpose of, of payment sort of being brought back. But it is also discussing sort of the struggles of, interpersonal family relationships in a way that you know those sorts of unhealthy things that you hate you tend to reflect yourself because of how hard you're trying to fight against it well and i I think there's a perfect scene it's a little bit later in the movie but i think that the the perfect uh you know demonstration of that is the dinner after he's killed charlie and he and he he and his mom haven't really spoken and he he like goads her into exploding and she says everything she's thinking and feeling which is true and she's screaming and basically her point is nobody will take responsibility for anything which and it's so great that he like she explodes and then kind of sits down and everything's calm and it's so fucking tense and then he's yeah. and then he's like well what about you mom right and he's totally right she is as guilty of that as anybody else is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When she freaks out of such good acting, when she realizes her daughter's dead. Oh yeah. It's so like gut wrenching. Like, well, and I, and I love the choice to like stay on Peter's face and, and you, it's almost worse that you don't see her when you, you only hear her discover Charlie's body. That goes back to that idea of like feeling it from the victim's perspective. Right. And he at the end of it is really the victim. Like you're following Tony Collette for the most part, but he's the one that's really (laughs) being converted, right? Um, There's some really cool stuff done in that cinematography, in that scene as well of like the camera just constantly panning down and then going into the next scene and then they're at the funeral and it's still panning down then into the ground where they finally bury her. And like 
and then Tony Collette's scream is is like the moaning is going through the whole thing as well. So like those two consistencies is really wild. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that, Adam, because they do the same with the music too. That music, that really intense wow wow music, follows through different scenes as well. That's wild. Yeah, yeah you're right, man. That's cool. That's well, and, cool. and I think you know the fact that we are toward the you know by the end of the movie, Peter is the primary victim. I also I think that's one thing that this movie, one way this movie subverts expectations is you have this like creepy young kid, and it's really it really feels like Charlie's movie up until she dies. And so, you know, anybody who's watched horror movies before, you're like, oh, this creepy fucking kid, they're going to get possessed. Her head's going to be spinning around. She's going to be spitting pea soup by the end of this movie. And then like, I don't, what is it? Half an hour into the movie, her head's just like, pop. (laughs) And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess not. And this, this does something that I usually like give M. Night Shyamalan shit for is that he sets, like his trailers are never what you go in to watch. Right. And the trailer for this, you think the movie is about Charlie, and yeah. then it ends up being that like, if if the grandmother's death isn't the inciting incident, Charlie's death is. Right. Like that's really where the whole like machine starts turning. I don't know. Just puts you off your edge. Like sort of throws you off a bit. That you suddenly you're like, wait, I don't know. But the performances and the craftsmanship is so good that you're like, right. I'm still. I'm still <laughs> well, one, and I think something Shyamalan does a lot, and and maybe this is just. It's so crazy that his first, you know, The Sixth Sense was so good. I, I, Unbreakable. I love Unbreakable. And then, like, the things he's gone on to do, but I almost feel like it's a curse that he got known as the twist guy, you know? Right. Be- because I, I feel like he almost has to live up to that. And even if it's not a function of the plot, or this, even if it doesn't enhance the story in any way, he's like, oh, I gotta fucking, I gotta cram a twist in here. I gotta throw him <laughs> a- So he's just, like, throwing you off balance for no good reason. Just because he's supposed to be that guy, you know. Have you have you seen the the trailer for his new one? For old, uh, old? which for old? which has the same actor, creepy. which has Peter What's in that? it. Peter's in it, the actor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Nice. I didn't notice that. Yeah. What's Great. that? That guy's uh, Alex Wolf. That I really like that guy as an actor. I like he was in the new Jumanji movies. Which I thought I thought were great for kid like movies to watch with your kids, and so he's he's going to be an old, and he's coming. He's also in one of the movies I want to see more than any other movie this year, which is Pig with Nicolas Cage. I don't know if you've heard about this movie. It comes out soon. No, it's it's about Nick. It's about Nicolas Cage, who he has a prized truffle pig, and his truffle pig. His truffle pig goes missing. And so then it's like, I think it's almost like a John Wick style, except it's fucking Nicolas Cage and a truffle pig. I cannot wait to see this fucking movie. It looks like a John Wick cover, like the the poster. Yeah. But instead of Keanu Reeves and a dog, you've got Nick Cage and a truffle pig. I I can't wait. Whoa. Okay, I'm watching that. I I think everybody's just looking at it. This poster is... It looks like a cover for like a Witcher game. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. What is this about? <laughs> <laughs> a yeah, trauma I... thriller. Okay, so like this isn't gonna be like <laughs> this is gonna actually be a, a heavy, a heavy story. I, I think. I wonder if the pig dies. Look at little Santa Claus. Yeah, well... The pig dies, and then he like he Tony Collette's on the floor. <laughs> uh, can we just talk about? crazy performance though out of her like Tony, oh she's so good speaking of the sixth so sense and m night Shyamalan, she's always she's always so good this was like a definitive performance for me for her though like i will never not think of her in this role yeah yeah that's true i'm yeah i'm trying to think of something because she's always great but yeah i don't yeah. know if i can i don't think i can think of another movie off the top of my head where she well, she, she goes quite the, um, to this level. She was really good in the show The United States of Terra. Uh, I haven't seen it. Um, where she plays someone with multiple multiple personality disorder. Okay. And which they kind of mention a little bit in the in in Hereditary. Yeah. And she does a really good. She has all these weird. She's suddenly like a different character, and and like she she never when she wakes up as herself during the show she never knows what the characters have done. You know? <laughs> Okay. But he's no. like a real 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 funny hill jack guy. Like they should play. Anyway. 
Yeah, so I'm just kind of looking through my notes here. So yeah, we've got that. Oh man, we've got all the miniatures. And what about the miniature of her of her mom, Queen Lay, whatever her name ends up being, when she like going in to breastfeed baby Charlie? <laughs> I love like rather than doing a, a flashback or any sort of like montagey thing of the past to use the miniatures, yeah. I was like, this is yeah. not only it's playing with the medium that the artist the artist the film is actually using, which I just think is like a brilliant way to like do exposition with literally showing and not telling. Yeah. Well, you know what? Just like a cut. Oh, sorry, Corey. No, go you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Adam, with like the shots of like the, the camera panning and stuff. They did great. And it almost looks like us as the viewer were sitting right outside those miniatures and they just, the camera has been zoomed in. Did you feel that way too? It, like, just like, you know, like going from like um, room to room, even, it almost looked like. It was like a doll's house, that yeah, like a giant sized dollhouse. Cool. Yeah, I I absolutely felt that. I think in fact, like the first, the first like maybe ten minutes of the film, maybe not that long, but like the first chunk of the film is shot entirely in a way. Well, it does that big truck in from the dollhouse to reveal Peter in his bedroom, which is great. But yeah, every shot also there's a great sense of like parallelism. It's all like a flat shot with the person in the middle and two things on the either side that tend to be the same. Like there's just a lot of harmony going through until it breaks, which I think is a really interesting, like going back to that idea of like, this is a very normal family that has it sort of together and they're fine. I think they're trying to do that visually at the beginning with like just the amount of symmetry going on in the cinematography itself. Um, And I think that that plays into that idea of, the dollhouse of like having those flat shots and having like everything from like almost a flat perspective where there's not a ton of depth, almost a bit like how Wes Anderson does with his cinematography, Ooh. except for the purpose of being creepy rather than charming. <laughs> right. So, and only, oh we'll man. See. And it's, I almost feel like this is too perfect to not mention uh, talking about horror movies and Wes Anderson and all that. Have you seen the Saturday night live sketch, uh, the midnight coterie of sinister intruders? Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that. Yeah, anyone who has it, pause the podcast right now and yeah. go watch that sketch. One of the best okay. things they've ever done. I love it. Uh, That's right. I think I've seen a lot of that. I've seen the, the, the Dejarring Limited. Did oh, I say that right? Dark, dark a bunch of time, mm-hmm. times. Um, I, yeah. I, I think my favorite's got to be um, Rushmore is probably my favorite. Yeah. I really like that one. I, I, I don't know why that one's a struggle for me. Like, I'm yeah. a big fan of most of his films. But like Bottle Rocket and Rushmore, for some reason, I do not resonate with with much. <laughs> I didn't like Bottle Rocket. Mm. I think it's that um, Schwartzman is a tough character to like. But like, the, the, but rude. when Schwartzman is writing these plays that are like he's in Vietnam, yeah, so so amazing like the way they put that on the stage. <laughs> to be fair, I also was like early in college and did not speak enough cinema language to really like <laughs> see what Wes Anderson was doing so I was like this is just weird I don't right. get it yeah. <laughs> well so. and and I think and I I think I really the first time I noticed him was the Royal Tannenbaums because that was so big yeah. right and then I don't know if it was the next one but soon after that was the Life Aquatic which that one and he's and I have after that I haven't seen all of his movies and the ones I have seen I've liked but it's almost like I don't, he, he's a great director. I don't want to say like he's not doing new stuff or different right. stuff, but it's almost like this is good, but I, I could like also just watch the Royal Tenenbaums and like, yeah. well, have you yeah. seen Moonrise yeah. Kingdom? I have not. No, that's a pretty good one. Did you like that one, Adam? Have you seen that one? Yeah, I like that one. Um, it's, it's not my favorite of his. Cause right. I think it, it's, it's definitely like the one that sort of, I think culminates into like the most Wes Anderson type of movie where, it's just offbeat, but it's just family enough, and it's just, like, I think that there's something to be said about asking kids to be that ubiquitous. <laughs> it feels slightly odd. Um, also, the fact that Schwartzman is marrying 12-year-olds, I'm just, like, I, I'm i I'm fine to, like, suspend my disbelief enough, but for some reason, that one, I was like, you can't get me on board with this. It's a weird group. <laughs> but, like, Isle of Dogs, yes! I will watch any time. That oh, one yeah. is... Yeah, that one is outstanding. See, I don't think I've That's seen that one all the way through either. 
highly recommend. Corey, your kids are gonna love that movie, dude. You're gonna go watch it with them. You see, I think I think when a new Wes Anderson movie comes out, I'm always like, oh, that looks interesting. And then any any time I ever actually go to watch a movie, I'm like, should I watch this movie or a Wes Anderson? And I'm like. Uh, you know, I've seen Wes Anderson movies. I kind of know what's going on, and I always See, I know where this logic's coming from. I always watch the other one. I know when Blink One Eighty Two came out, and people were like, "Have you listened to Blink One Eighty Two? Your logic was, dude, just get a fucking Green Day CD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's not the truth, Corey Jefferson, always the contrarian. Not necessarily the contrarian, but just like you're. You're not as deep as you think, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just always it's just always my personal I'm totally choice. Joking, by the way. <laughs> but he did say that. I did say that, yeah. Yeah. Well and that's the one, no. thing I, the one thing I will say, in terms of like I and I get you, like, it's easy to love Wes Anderson. Most people do. And once you've seen it, you know what to expect. And to be fair, he writes incredibly compelling, psychologically complex characters. But they're all the same level of dry, the same level of, like, you almost feel like you're going to a stage play. I think the difference with, uh, and I'll I'll say this for both Fantastic Mr. Fox and uh, Isle of Dogs, is because he's working in the medium of animation, breaking a lot of rules of how animation should work and how it should look Mm -hmm. and how the camera should function. And it's doing things that would generally be very boring in animation and somehow makes it really fascinating on top of, like, on technical level. But then, like, the fact that he's free to do anything he wants with the camera and then is very specific with his choices, it becomes a really interesting method of storytelling that he doesn't typically get with his live-action stuff. Um, In terms of my animation, like, geek out self that's what you're gonna get in terms of like a very pro wes anderson move there um but we're not here to talk about those no no (laughs) yeah moving moving on from wes anderson um but so uh, so she talks about and i like how the when she goes to that what the like the self not a self-help group but like a support group right where tony collette goes she talks about how all the mental illness in her family and the fact that her brother was schizophrenic and, and committed suicide, claiming that their mom was putting people inside him. Uh, you know, yeah. the the mom was had disassociative identity disorder, commonly known as multiple personalities, which, again, you know, I like how these things are. Maybe it's a mental disorder or maybe they are like summoning that one of the eight kings of hell <laughs> it works both I mean, ways i would i would venture to say she's absolutely trying to get payment inside of her, her brother oh yeah for like, sure that, that's a wild idea though like the, the idea of it, like you don't even get to see that part of the film you don't get to see any any bit of it but the idea that that's the reality that tony collette's character like grew up in was Mom's trying to put people inside my brother. He's telling me that. I don't believe him. I think he's crazy. Also, mom's crazy. Right. Like, <laughs> the fact that it's so unbelievable that it can't have happened, and then it is sort of to her demise that she never paid attention to it. Right, it's actually the case. Well, I wonder if any of those other members in that support group were real. Like, were they all the cult people? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh... I need to I'm go back and rewatch that. I think I think there's definitely like there's I there's probably some cult people in there for sure. Well, because yeah. Joni's part of the cult, isn't she? Yeah. Part well, of the, part well, of well. Here, group, but she right? only that's that's yeah. that's interesting though because she's never actually in the support group, right? She just runs into her in oh. the parking lot. She's always just like creeping around outside the support group. Uh, oh, okay. So maybe not. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's a legit support group, and she's just play acting in the parking lot. I don't know. Got it. But. But that does uh, somebody I I, I yeah I read I don't know something I read or watched about this movie. Somebody mentioned that maybe when because one big thing for this family is Tony Collette's sleepwalking, sleepwalking, and the fact that she yeah. she woke up one one time and she and her kids were covered in paint thinner and she was lighting a match right. And then there's that dream sequence where you don't know if it's Tony Collette's dream or Peter's dream where. She actually tells him that she tried to have a miscarriage. Yeah, and then they end up suddenly wet, and then suddenly they're on fire. Yeah, oh, and which they, was so weird. 
so great. Well, because because it, it's like a dream. Because yeah, she follows the ants, and you think that's a dream, and then you're like, oh, we're we're woken up now, and then it's another dream. You know? Oh, but but so, yeah, right. But somebody when mentioned Pete, that when Pete has his head grabbed while he's asleep, is that his mom or does his mom do it, or is that just a dream that he's having? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think okay. you're. I don't think you're supposed to know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause when he does wake up though, she is already in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when they're going to perform the ritual, right? I think so. That was when they were going to do the seance. Yeah. That's, that's what I meant. The seance. Yeah. The seance, yeah. 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 Okay. But, but, but anyway, so, but somebody posited that maybe it was her subconscious. Like she subconsciously knew that her mom was trying to use her kids to summon King Paymon. <laughs> And so that was that was her way of like almost protecting her kids was by setting them on fire, <laughs> you know, in a in a twisted way. Oh, no, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, right. You're not going to have them, right? So, yeah, because because that's because oh. that's what her brother did, right? That's yeah. that's how her brother got out of it. So so let's see. So now we're getting toward the end. You know, Jones manipulating her. Uh, poor Steve. He's just so dumb with her bullshit. Uh, he's, yeah. he's had to put up with so much. Um, how, how good of a betrayal was that moment though? Like she was off her rocker by that point. Uh, yeah. When and she, like, when she goes to Steve with the, everything she had found and well, yeah, yeah. Are you talking about, like, are you talking sorry, about the, a, the scene where she uh, is asking him to like throw the book in the fire yeah. because she's too scared to. Yeah. So do you, do you mean, is that a betrayal of the audience's expectations or a betrayal of her trust? What do you mean by that? I'm curious. Yeah. Oh, no, no, her, her being betrayed by her husband in that moment of like, she's finally like, I'm going to be as vulnerable and open and honest about like the reality of the situation. And instead of him being like, okay, if all it's going to take is throwing this dang thing in a fire, <laughs> like, okay. And then he's just like, I've had enough. I'm out. Right. Like, this is, we're well, going. Well, and this, this was and a, then the flip around in terms of the betrayal to the audience. to The expectation there's yeah. perfect. Well, and, and yeah. I thought this was another big moment where I felt like any other movie, especially a horror movie, this were, this would be the moment where she's like, I finally put all the puzzle pieces together. I figured it out. This is how we win. This is how we conquer the demon. You know, and she she takes it to whoever, her husband or whoever. And um, and that's when they're like, okay, yeah, this is this is what we do. And then they do it and they either win or don't. But yeah, they put the puzzle pieces together, solve the problem. But no, this goes the the exact opposite way. Yeah, he does yeah. not believe her. We'll have no part of it. Because you know? he, he could have done that just to prove to her that she's being batshit crazy. He could have yeah. thrown it into the fire. Yeah, but you but but you also understand his. But he, you know, he's been doing that with the seance and everything, and it hasn't been helping. So you can almost yeah. understand why he's like. No, no, I've been, I've done this. No, I am this. I'm stopping right now. I'm not going to throw this book in the fire, you know? But how could he have, I don't know, like the seance, the two seances that they show prove to the audience that like this shit is real. Right. Like there is something paranormal going on. Like why wasn't he just like leaning into it, like full on board, like you're right. We're getting a divorce after all this is over, but this this mystical shit out first, right? I think if anything, I think it speaks to a much more like actual and natural human reaction in this case, because like if you were actually in that situation and like (laughs) your wife was like, we're having a seance, you see the bonkersness go down, suddenly she's like, Throw this out. I, it's gonna kill me. I'm gonna die. Our son, like, yeah. had. Like, a I know about the diorama under the bed. Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then, like, why? Why wouldn't he be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna go stay at the Motel Six. Like, bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also think he was probably a little bit in denial about what he saw because he he seems like such a rational guy. He probably didn't want to believe what he saw at the when they did the seance. You know. Yeah. He did such a good job at making him seem so level-headed. Yeah. You know, I mean, so just, yeah. he's brilliantly typecast as that yeah. all the time. Not, not in a bad way, just like no. he's, he's just very good at being like the, the litigious sort of level head of the bunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, does. I love him in, in Miller's Crossing and The Usual Suspects. And then 
I also wrote down, there's a Schwarzenegger movie I saw as a kid. It's one of his lesser well-known ones, but I loved it when it came out. Uh, End of Days, where Gabriel Byrne, yes. he kind of like plays, I think, the devil in that movie. I think he does. And he's so and good. And that kind of came out the right, um, what's the Keanu Reeves lawyer movie? Oh, the, the Devil's, Devil's Advocate? No, Devil's Devil Advocate, right? Devil's Advocate. Yeah. That was kind of, and Al Pacino's a very similar looking guy. Yeah. In character in that movie, or at least was then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he looks like Nick Cage and Pig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor poor Al Pacino. Uh, <laughs> so okay, so rushing to the end, Steve catches on fire. Uh, I mean, what a wonderful twist on that though, too. Like, again, this sort of goes back to your bit that you were talking about in terms of this is the point in the story where, like, okay, we put all the pieces together. We know how to solve it. Oh, wait, this is not that movie. Yeah. This is going to end like a tragedy, like it should, and like most horror films should. Right. And that's what makes it, I think, stand out in terms of like the fact that most horrors nowadays are like, and everyone died except for one person and they got away, so it's still a happy ending. Like, come on. I don't want that. Right. No. Yeah. That's not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then you've got uh, Peter, let's see, he sees Charlie, oh, and that, that cool scene where her head rolls, he sees Charlie in the corner, and then her head rolls off, and it's a ball bouncing on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. I also love that, like, they kind of prefaced that scene before, where he, the light was hitting the, the sweater on the chair, like, earlier on, and it, like, silhouette-wise, it looks so perfectly like Charlie. Yeah. Like, I just sat there watching that being like, man, the amount of time that the production designer must have sat there and, like, tweaked with tweezers to pull, like, each little bit of the fabric to, like, lay just right. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well, what then... exactly was, like, the light uh, that... It, it was like a... It'd be in big squares, and it would, like, almost like Donnie Darko style, like, show... Oh, yeah. Back. Yeah, that was the heater in the... In the treehouse, right? Well, there might be that too, but then there was like there are times where like it almost looked like in a video game where it's showing you where you the, you want the character to go. Oh, it was yeah. like a square of light. That was payment. Yeah, that's payment. Okay, that's. I what think I thought. that's payment. Yeah, because at the very end, after he falls out the window, that little glowing flash of light sort of comes and rests on his back and then disperses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and before, did you guys notice the shadow? So he jumps out the window and hits the ground, and there's a shadow that leaves him. Which I don't know if that's supposed to be his soul or what, but something's leaving him, and then the light moves into him. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Cool, man. I'll check that out next time I see it. So. Also, sorry. I love too that like once Charlie comes to as payment in that moment, he looks up and then there's Tony Collette's headless body just floating up into the <laughs> right. <laughs> like I just love that at that point they're like. I, it can be weird now, guys. Like, let's just make it nuts. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. It's a great point. Yeah. Because you've already <laughs> had her, like, weird. once she's, like, floating in the attic, like, cutting her own head off with piano wire. Like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I don't know. There, that chase sequence, though, where, she, like, he goes into the attic is... Mommy! Yeah. Mommy! He's screaming. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the and, most intense imagery ever, right? Yeah. Once, and then she's like, she's on the ceiling, banging her head against... Banging her head. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Well, I love, too, that, like, it sounds like she's just banging her arm trying to get to him. And then, like, that, that quick, like, truck down, and she's just, like, having a full seizure, like, trying to get but him. she's doing face. it as fast as, like, fucking Metallica's drummer. It's like... <laughs> Like double bass drum. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that that final like climactic sequence though, just like the amount of times that she's just like floating over him while he's sleeping, or like yeah. like up on the wall, and then you have like that was really focus through yeah. and then go back to like well the, well that oh. that shot in particular because there's Gabriel Burns burned body in the foreground, right, and then you've got Peter standing there. And you don't notice anything behind him at first. But yeah, then the camera kind of moves and pans up a little bit. And that's when you see her fucking hunched in the corner of the room against the ceiling. And yeah, it's so fuck. It's so effective. It's so creepy. Well, and what I love there, too, is that when it rack focuses back to his face and then he turns and sees like 
the creepy guy smiling like naked in the doorway. All of a sudden, Tony Tony Collette starts chasing him from the other direction. Yeah, like oh. it's a total misdirect, which like. Whew, yeah, yeah. I got chills thinking about it because it's such like a nuts like it's it's like it doesn't break the one eighty with the camera, but it does it with the character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. Because she she is appears such a out wild of decision. Yeah. Once well, and, and yeah, there's no way you could you would think that she would be there. And the fact that she appears out of nowhere, like I almost yeah. want to go back and watch that and see, like, is she waiting in the darkness or did they just like edit it to where she's not there and then she suddenly is there? Because that's what it feels like, you know. Yeah, I think it was just a cut, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, she she really she comes out of nowhere. It's wild. I love it. Uh, so yeah. So so then he goes up to the treehouse full of nude geezers. Uh. There's the statue, I guess, of Paymon, Paymon with, with it, with Charlie's, with Charlie's head. head. Yeah, and yeah. Char- Charlie's head on top, and then his mom's head, or no, I'm sorry, his mom's body and his grandma's body, all beheaded. Every everyone's beheaded. The grandma, we didn't mention this before, but the grandma's head has also been decapitated. Everybody's head is gone in this movie, and and they're kneeling in front <laughs> of in front of uh, this statue of Paymon. Um, I can't help but wonder, like, were they posed like that by the geezers, or did they, like, was, were their bodies like, oh, I'm just gonna walk on over here and, like, bow down right. without a head? That's a good question. Because the mom's body floated up there, so theoretically it yeah. could have just put itself in the position. I, I wonder if that treehouse stopped getting used after a while. I know the mom sleeps there. Doesn't she sleep there a couple times after Charlie dies? Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if, like, at some point the cult members like began to construct this weird temple. Just, yeah. just want, just, I'm just theorizing, but yeah, they would yeah, have to know. have at some point it, earlier that day. Well, that's also like, that's part of the fun of like anytime you're with the family and seeing what they're doing, like somewhere in the background, yeah. somewhere the cultists are doing something, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> systematically parking their white cars right. right next to each other. Well, yeah, because there's that weird scene where Charlie starts walking out to the woman who's lit the fire in the field behind their house. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think, like, what is that context to? Like, right. is it just to give us, like, an idea that there's something witchy going on? Yeah. That's a good question, Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest, would you, like, would Tony Collette see that, too? <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. she doesn't she doesn't seem to see it, but it's like, but I think is she maybe there though. She's there because she goes. That's when she goes and like roughly grabs Charlie and drags her back into the house. Uh, right, you're not wearing shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene. Yeah, but uh, okay. but yeah. So then you've got you know finally, uh, Peter is crowned as King Payman, right? And Joan Joni explains everything she kind of breaks it down right at the end she's like yeah we're a bunch of cultists you're king payment now we're all gonna get our rewards in this world like real, like very she's like here's the the summary of what's been going on behind the movie the whole time real quick and then and then it pans out from it as though it were a mini right one of those mini it's really it's just good it's so good yeah like i almost felt bad watching it because like at times it almost it was so crazy like, I almost, sorry, let me go back. Like, after Charlie dies, like, it almost feels like I was infringing on the privacy of this family. Like, it was <laughs> yeah. so real yeah. in that sense. And then just becomes so twisted at the end. Well, and, and this and this director, I mean, you know, and I, I love this movie so much, but I, I think I like Midsummer a little bit more. I don't know if it's because I saw it first, but I feel like everything you would like about this movie is done at least as well in Midsummer. And then also there's just, like, other shit, too. Like, other wild yeah. shit with Midsummer. Well, can I ask you for a spoiler alert for Midsummer? Yeah. Because you mentioned this earlier about what the trauma is in the beginning. And I forgot what, like, does, does the one of the lead character's parents die or something? Yeah. In, in Midsummer? What? In Midsummer, well, yeah. yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, you're not, it's not really spoiling anything. It's kind of the inciting Sorry. No. Yeah. yeah and, it, and it happens like right in the first five minutes of the movie that actually it's Florence Pugh, the, the, the woman who's in the Black Widow movie. She's the younger sister. Yeah. Uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah, yeah. She, um, like in the first five minutes of the movie, her, her entire family dies, like her parents, her okay. sister and that, yeah. yeah. So, and the movie kind of goes from there. Um, Got it. 
and it, and it dives a little bit more into like again it's like being inducted like brainwashed into a cult there's a there's a lot of similarities you know yeah i mean that's one of the more fascinating things about this director i think generally is their use of like how trauma can be used to manipulate people yeah. in a religious aspect and i think it may even be a commentary of sort of the general church but using the occult churches as like see how it's horrifying for them you ain't doing much different guys. right yeah i um, dig that well and then i went i actually went back or I, I hadn't seen this before i'd heard about it but have you seen the short the short movie he did i think it was like his thesis whatever it is when you make your movie in film school called the strange yeah. the strange thing about the johnsons i never did no it's it's on YouTube. It's like half an hour, but it doesn't have any of the of the other stuff, like kind of the creepy supernatural stuff. But it's it's just a very uncomfortable, awkward story about a family and their dysfunctions. Um, and it's it's uh yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Right away on YouTube. What's that? It comes up right away on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's I'll it's check it out. it's worth a watch. It's it, you know I think these movies. His later movies are better, uh, obviously, but but you can see like that his sensibilities as far as like just go just leaning right into like awkward, uncomfortable, squirmy uh, subject matter, you know. Um, I mean, he does it well. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, but so we talked about how Paymon is a real thing. That symbol is actually his symbol, I guess, and he because people wrote about him in like. 15th and 16th century grimoires um what was that like because it looks like it was written in sanskrit like i was looking at it being like nothing about that looks european in terms of like the the writing yeah i have no idea that's a good question yeah i don't know that's a good question um okay well but uh, so i guess uh to wrap this up do you guys have any uh any thoughts on your headcanon about this movie or what what you kind of thought was going on behind the scenes, or you wish were different about this movie? What do you guys? What what headcanon do you have? I wanted like a cutscene at the end of the mom and the grandma without their heads having a little dance party. Having a dance party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then sitting down for a cup of tea, just like pouring it just di- pouring directly it on top of their stumps. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> just just take the teapot and plug it into the esophagus, right? Gross. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm sorry <laughs> that's funny Brent. oddly i actually think the one thing i would actually have is like right before it cut to like the credits if you would have heard one of the charlie like mouth clicks right before like right oh yeah 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 i, for- I think- forgot to mention that yeah yeah that- weird mouth clicks that- yeah that's nope. like in terms of like an auditory like spook that did so much in the film, and I just would have loved for like, like the lights turn off and would have been yeah, and that little click would have been great. No, you're absolutely right. I, I totally agree. Yeah. What What about you, Brent? Do you have one yet, or do you want to go last? I can go ahead and give you mine. No, I I should go now, and because it's not very good. Because <laughs> I feel bad. Because I always had to do something funny, and it just feels bad. It feels wrong because I, I really like this family. <laughs> Um, what's left of them? There's none. There, wait, there's no one. Left. No, it's just King no, Payman. Mine was just a play on words. Like instead, at the end, they su- they summon Raymond, and it's just Ray Ramon. Hey! <laughs> oh man! Or conversely, or this this kid gets a sitcom as King Payman, and it's just the 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 setup of everybody. Every, everybody loves, loves payment. Everybody loves payment. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like he he could play a young Ray Romano. Yeah, he could really easily. I could see that. Well, yeah, I was I was going for that, or they summoned Sarah Palin. Oh, <laughs> oh God, that would be even more terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> Ray Romano's fun. <laughs> Man, she just pokes her head up out of like the bottom of the treehouse, being like, "I can see Russia." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nice. All right. Well, I think I I just this is something I I, I just thought of uh, as we were doing the podcast. But 
I think it'd be funny if they summon King Payman, like the cultists get their, uh, you know, their goal comes true and everything. And then they're all like, okay, well, time to go, like, do whatever you do after that. And he, like, he jumps, he goes to jump down out of the treehouse, and his head gets stuck between a couple boards. (laughs) (laughs) And his his head pops off, right? And all the cultists are like, god damn it! (laughs) So just keep keep with the theme. Yeah, and they have to immediately, like, figure... But that's just, like, poor poor payment, like, in terms of, like, his established, like, friendships in hell, like, Man, that guy's always losing his head somehow. Like, right. what's going on with him? That's the thing. It should have been cut to like, like some sort of like funny quip. Where he's like, Payman's just like, can't find good help these days. <laughs> that guy just can't get ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just a never-ending. So then the cultists, yeah, are just always struggling to try and find a new, a new vessel for him, and and just one one thing or another, he just always lobs his head off. So. But yeah, but it's always that like they've they, they do such, such an intricate amount of planning mm-hmm. to create this plan just for the head to suck. <laughs> at some point at the end, like after many culminations, what's the word? Right. Like, iterations. They, they've like, okay, we've got payment. Okay, put the cuff around his neck. Yeah. Okay. He's got the cone of shame and like a neck brace. Yeah, nothing can happen to his head. <laughs> yeah. So we get our payment. Right. And then a, a plane just cra- a plane just crashes right yeah. in. <laughs> It's Denzel Washington in flight. He's got the plane <laughs> inverted, and the wing just severs his head. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that could be the 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 writer's way of being like, in this world, there is a god, and he just keeps going after this guy who keeps trying to come into the world. That's right. great because it's like the last twenty minutes of the movie, like you said, like it just gets insane and bonkers. Yeah. You know? So many great choices they were able to make after that, like relief. <laughs> Nice. Oh, that's awesome. This has been such a good conversation. I don't want to keep yeah. you too much longer. We're already a little over time. Do you guys have any any parting thoughts or anything you wanna you wanna mention before we we get going here? I just, just watch the movie. It's so yeah, good. It is. It's it really is good. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Something I didn't mention, but I want to bring up now. Adam also uh, helped create the the logo for Headcanon. Oh, that's right. right. So I yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. all based on a doodle that the two of you did. And I was like, you guys, I don't have to do anything but like throw some color on this. It's pretty funny and pretty good already. <laughs> but it looked, cause I did, yeah, I just like, I drew, on a scrap piece of paper, I just drew, I was like, I don't know, something like this. And then, but, and, and, but it, you made it look so much like a million times better. It's so funny. <laughs> But the reality is that I really just traced over, like, your drawing of you guys. And just, like, all I did was, like, let's see if there's anything I could add to make it look a little bit more like the two of you. But, like, that's just it. I think people often think, like, that as, like, a designer or an artist, like, oh, yeah, you got to make it look pretty. It's like, no, like, sometimes, like, the script, like, the the naive is just as good, if not better. (laughs) So I wasn't about to go and change what you did because I liked it so much. (laughs) Well, I like it. Yeah, it's it looks just just got that little polish on it now. I lo- I, I appreciate it. I th- I love it. I think it's so funny. So, um, cool. Well, Adam, as as always, it's so, it's so good talking to you. I'm so glad you're you're doing well and you you're in the, your house now and things are going well for you. So yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, happy to like. This is great. This is super fun. I rarely get to like dissect movies. I mean, I do it all the time by myself. But, like a few friends and I will be like, did you see it? we talk about it but like to have like a specified like all right this week we're gonna yeah. watch this and we're gonna talk about this i i book had a blast it's like a yeah. book club. It's like oh, it two is. hours yeah of a book, yeah. You know, a book <laughs> yeah i have to spend story. my entire life on it next week we're covering the 1993 movie the good son also be sure to check us out on reddit at r slash horror movie pod twitter at horror movie pod you can find us at headcanon pod on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you uh, again for for coming on, and this has been Head Cannon. That movie is so wild, though. Like, it's perfectly crafted. There's no superfluous, like, there's no scenes that need to be cut out or should be removed. Like, it all has something. Even the point of, like, the dad getting the phone call about the desecration of the grave pays off later, and you completely forget about it, and then he's like, It was you that did it. Yeah, yeah.
Every, oh, yeah. Right. Well, Don't and, forget about yeah, it. Yeah, and we didn't even get to talk about like how weird it is that the the grandma essentially like she's taking care of her granddaughter and breastfeeding her granddaughter, but it's also like kind of like her husband because they've put payment into it, so it's like her granddaughter husband. It's so yeah. Yeah, every, <laughs> yeah it's weird. All right, we'll let you guys get going. Like, yeah. I just got one more question because yeah. I'm thinking about it. Was Charlie aware that she was already like a conduit, or was she not possessed yet? I, the my interpretation was that Payman was in her, but she wasn't necessarily aware of it. That's what I think. But I could be, I I could easily be swayed in another direction because I don't know if yeah. there's anything supporting or, that. Or was Charlie's personality just like Payman, but just through the guise of like the emotional and mental maturity of a child? Yeah. Oh, that's... I, I think like when when Peter is ultimately possessed, like Joni starts talking to her as if she is Charlie. Or talking to Peter as if she he is Charlie. Yeah. You it's were well. Charlie, now you're Peter. I think she says that, right? Yeah. Well and then even early yeah, even when he's at school, she's like Oh, that was a weird scene too when she he's I forgot, in school. Talk about that. And she's a, she's across the street and she's like, Get out, get out, Peter, get out. <laughs> Which oh, is man. wild because she's yelling at his soul. Yes, yeah. That's a weird concept. <laughs> I read that they created a, a soft desk, like so he like slams his face on a pillow. Oh, really? I heard he. I heard he just dislocated his jaw in that scene. Oh, really? for real? Oh, he for yeah. real did? Oh, yeah. whoa, whoa! And like, I think he like, like rent like dislocated his arm or did something like, to his arm, and that like hurt moment. When, when when he's you don't see it yet, but when he's got his face contorted and you see the faces of other people first, you're like, "What are they about to fucking show me?" They show the reaction. Yeah, that's so good. That, and that's yeah. such a wildly shot scene too, because like you want to see, you want to contextually understand what you're seeing, like that arm going up and like the fingers being crazily contorted. Yeah, yeah. and then like. I just didn't expect his face to also have been gone yeah. the way that it was. Like, ooh. Yeah. It's and so nuts. Okay, yeah. sorry. I, we could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> <laughs>